0: Today's scripture reading is taken from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is going to begin wrapping up, concluding his famous Sermon on the Mount. And we've been been following the sermon for the last several months, almost every week, and we're going to be wrapping up the sermon as well, our study on the sermon, over the next few weeks. And today Jesus begins his, uh, his lengthy, famous conclusion. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is God's word. Jesus tells us, enter by the narrow gate, the narrow gate. And when he used the word narrow, and we see narrow in Matthew's gospel here, it doesn't just mean skinny or tight. Don't just think of a skinny door, of a, of a door that would be hard to fit through. You can look at it that way, but, but the Greek word meant more than that. It also meant uncomfortable. Circumstantially, situationally, uncomfortable. What he's saying is the way to true life is not easy. It will never be easy. The cost of following Jesus is great. His grace is a gift, but following him comes with a cost. As we have been looking at this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' famous manifesto for what it means to be blessed and to flourish and to live the good life. Uh, Jesus has been talking about a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, basically a righteousness that is greater than our best attempts as human beings of pleasing God and entering heaven. A righteousness that we don't possess, that he alone possesses and offers to us. So this greater righteousness is possessed by those who are truly blessed, he says, in the Beatitudes at the beginning of the sermon. Uh, Those who are truly flourishing, are the ones who are going to inherit God's eternal kingdom. And they possess this greater righteousness. And and he's been showing us throughout the Sermon on the Mount what this greater righteousness looks like in relationship to God's law, the Torah in the Old Testament. He's also been showing us what this greater righteousness looks like in our own personal religion and, and spirituality. Finally, Jesus was showing us in the last several weeks what this righteousness looks like in our dealings with the world, with the systems of this world, with its its people, with its goods and possessions and its priorities. And Jesus, uh, he's going to now conclude the entire sermon. Jesus is wrapping it up. And today we read the first of three warnings that he gives us. He concludes his sermon with three warnings against false discipleship. The preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, about a century ago, not quite a century ago, uh, he said Jesus is basically offering, at the end of his sermon, a test. Three short tests, like pop-up quizzes. Uh, he's, He's asking his listeners now to see if they've really gotten his point have they been listening do they understand now 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 here's the thing we have to understand about Jesus about his good news which we call the gospel about christianity itself from the perspective of the bible christianity jesus his good news demands a response now you may be listening you may not be a christian or or you you may have always been uncomfortable with the idea uh, that Christian, you may have heard people say, Christianity is not simply a religion; it's more like a relationship. And maybe that's confused you or bothered you because it, it seems like Christians do what all sorts of religious people in all sorts of religions do. There seem to be traditions and holidays and habits and rituals and rites. And it- is not Christianity like all religions? Well. This is one of the passages in the New Testament that explain why some Christians say things like, Christianity is not really a religion, it's a relationship. What they mean is really indebted to passages like this. You see, Jesus doesn't call his listeners to simply hear what he has to say and admire him and respect him for what he said. Jesus... Jesus is asking for a decision when he speaks. He's asking you to accept what he's saying or to reject it. Let me put it more forcefully. He's asking you to accept him or reject him. Jesus is not in the least interested in admirers. He wants followers. The words that he preaches is not simply a system. He's not interested in people picking up on a system. He's interested in people embracing him. Christianity is ultimately about him. And finding finding the kingdom of heaven is about embracing and following him. And what we see in today's passage is really at, at, the, at the core of Christianity's claims that in a world of many paths, Jesus is the only way. Now, I know that's hard for us to hear in today's world, in today's day. But in a world of many pathways, Jesus is the only way into the kingdom of heaven, into reconciliation with God, into the true new humanity that he has been drawing to himself. Christianity is hard. It is. Uh, Let me use another word for Christianity. If you want to go deeper than understanding Christianity as a religion, let me say it this way Christianity is all about discipleship. So, when I use the word Christianity today, I also mean discipleship, which basically means following Jesus personally. And so, I'm going to talk about two things really that Christianity is hard, but Christianity is personal. Following Jesus as one of his disciples is hard. It will always be hard. In this world, it will be hard. But what he's preaching is very personal. And so, although it is hard, it is personal. And that is where it is rewarding. And that is where it is filled with hope and healing. So, let's begin. Christianity, discipleship to Jesus Christ, is hard for any of us who are broken sinners living in this world. It is hard. The Bible has always shown, from the beginning to the end, that that it is always hard to follow, to obey, to give yourself to the God of the Bible. It was hard for Noah. It was hard for the Apostle Paul. It was actually David in the beginning of the Psalms. It was was Psalm 1, which opens up all the Psalms, uh, that says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. It says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And Psalm 1 concludes by saying, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish so right, right there you see the concept of two paths, two different paths that you have to be on. It, the idea is as old as the Bible itself. And the reason it's so hard to follow the God of the Bible is because it's very clear in the Bible that the message of this God is exclusive. In a world of beautiful diversity and a multiplicity of ideas and philosophies and people groups, there is still only one way to enter the kingdom of heaven and to receive reconciliation with God and eternal life. The Bible is full of grace, but the Bible is unapologetically exclusive in its message. So when Jesus speaks here, he says, For the gate is narrow, he's summarizing everything that the Old Testament had already said. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The way of the kingdom of God is not obvious from an on-the-ground perspective. It was not obvious when Noah built the ark, that he was on the right path. It was not obvious when Abraham and Sarah migrated to a new country that God said would one day belong to their ancestors. Uh, the way of the kingdom of God was not obvious when Moses led a band of slaves out of Egypt into the land of Canaan. The way of the kingdom of God was not obvious when young, unimpressive-looking David was anointed king of Israel. But as we saw at the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus announced His Beatitudes, the blessed uh, the blessed sayings, it was very obvious there that that the kingdom of God's priorities are counterintuitive in this world. They're often overlooked and even rejected. I mean, if you go back to the Beatitudes, think about it. Who wants to be or admit that they are poor in spirit? Who wants to live a life characterized by mourning over their own weakness and sin, mourning over the brokenness of this world? Of course, there's happiness and there's joy, but, but who wants to live a life characterized by mourning? Who wants to be meek and, and humbly walk through this life in, in a meek attitude towards, towards other people? Who wants to be merciful towards those who abuse them and hurt them and slander them? Who wants to be a peacemaker in a world that promotes self Take care of yourself first. Make sure that you look out for yourself and for your own. Who wants to be persecuted? (laughs) Who wants to be rejected? Who wants to be forgotten? You see, because of this, very few people, as Jesus puts it, hunger and thirst for this type of righteousness that he's talking about in the sermon. So people uh, now, just like they did 2,000 years ago, respond to Jesus, um, maybe by being impressed at first, impressed by the miracles, amazed by his wisdom, but eventually, the more they listen, and as they begin to count the costs, and even as some begin to say they're following him, they become repulsed, impressed by the miracles, but repulsed by the message The New Testament scholar R.T. France said true discipleship is a minority religion. So the Christian life is hard. It's just hard. But hard roads are better traveled when you have what? Companionship. It's hard, but it's personal following Jesus. It is as personal as it is hard. See, you have Jesus in this hard life. And you have each other. We have our fellow brothers and sisters that are walking the narrow way, the hard way, with him. Together. I mean, think about this. Other teachers and sages, uh, they pointed to systems. And you think of even Moses or Muhammad or, or the Buddha uh, pointing to systems, pointing to laws, pointing to philosophies. And they say, uh, follow the system, follow the way, and you will find life. And you will find meaning. But Jesus, he comes at it differently. He says, well, it's his genius, really. It's, I guess you could say it's his audacity from our perspective. Some people would say it's his insanity. It's maybe his wickedness to actually do what none of them did, to point to himself. Jesus isn't pointing to a system. He isn't pointing to a philosophy. He isn't pointing to laws and commands, although there are beautiful versions of all of that, if you get in touch with Christianity. No, Jesus is ultimately pointing not to a system, not to a code. Jesus is pointing to himself. He says that's the way to life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will come in and out and find pasture like a shepherd leading sheep. He said in John chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then when you think of how somebody would have the audacity to say that, it, it, it reminds me of Psalm 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David said, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's, there's shepherding language again. You see, it would be insane, it would be wicked... C.S. Lewis said in his wonderful book, Mere Christianity, if you want to know more about Jesus Christ and Christianity, read this book. C.S. Lewis basically said anybody would have to be ruled as insane or wicked to say things like this. I am the door. I am the way. Right? You'd have to be wicked or insane to say things like this unless you really were God. And that's the claim of biblical Christianity. So my encouragement to you today is to seek after and to follow and to focus on more than anything and anybody else, Jesus. The whole Sermon on the Mount is, is, is leading up to this point where he says, you really only have one option. Your option is me. Follow me. Focus on me. Seek after me. Hunger and thirst after me. Um, that's my challenge to you. That's my invitation to you. Focus on follow seek after Jesus to lead you down the narrow gate towards the hard path of discipleship. Jesus never said that following him would be easy. I think we all have to we all have to recalibrate here. We all need a system reboot. Jesus never said this would be easy. But he's always said that he'll be with us. He never said it would be easy, but he's always said I am with you always until the very end of the age. So really, um, test yourself. If you confess to be a a Christian, test yourself. Read these words in Matthew 7 and test yourself and ask yourself, is my walk, um, that's another way of saying following Jesus, discipleship, is my walk easy? Is my walk as a Christian easy? impersonal. Is my walk easy, and is it impersonal? Um, Because if those things are true of you, then it's not the kind of Christianity that Christ was talking about. Look at verse 13. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. Now, I think those words are important. Look, if, if, if a man is beaten um, almost to the point of, of uh, beyond the point of recognition uh, by Roman soldiers and executed on a Roman cross, and then three days later physically rises from the dead and was seen by over 500 witnesses for a period of at least 40 days, if somebody does all that, I'd pay attention to everything they ever said and did. And he says here, the gate is wide, the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. There are many wide gates in this life. Uh, there are many easy ways in this world. But there's only one gate, and there's only way that leads to life. The easy road could be anything. It could be a religious thing, it can be an irreligious thing. You could be a faithful churchgoer. You may have never cracked a Bible open in your life. The easy road that leads away from Jesus towards destruction, to use his word, uh, can be a religious path or a secular path. Moral religion with its codes and uh, observances apart from Jesus will always look and feel easier. Your career path, your success, your status, your savings and assets apart from Jesus will always feel easier to pursue. How you deal with conflict and people in your life will always seem easier to you apart from the wisdom and truth of Jesus. Politics, you'll put together a little political system for yourself. It will always seem easier apart from Jesus. Jesus comes into your politics. Jesus comes into your cause. Jesus comes into your activism. Well, he starts messing stuff up. You've got a nice little system. You, Jesus, what, what are you doing here? Why are you messing my stuff up? Because he'll come into your little system. He'll come into the way you deal with people, um, how, you, how you use your money, and what you think about certain types of people and what you think about your assets and and your status and your success. Or he'll even come in uh, and look at how you think about how you've been wronged and how you've been abused and how you've been mistreated and how you've been victimized. He'll look at all of that and he'll go, hmm, hmm. And we go, Jesus, why'd you have to mess this all up? This was easy. Everything seems easier apart from Jesus. Put Jesus into it. Now his priorities come into play. Now his priorities come right into the center. And yeah, it gets hard because he promised that it would. But apart from the personal component of Jesus in your Christianity, my friend, all all ways, all roads still lead to destruction. That's why he's testing his listeners now because it is easy, even after hearing his words, to be deceived. So test yourself. Is my Christianity easy? And is my Christianity impersonal? Meaning, devoid of the person of Jesus, close to me, guiding me, speaking to me through his word and his spirit And his people. Look, the person of Jesus is the one who walked the hardest road. Jesus who walked the hardest road will lead you through it. Despite how hard it is to follow Jesus, the great cost that it is, there is grace. There is grace, as some people say, grace for the journey. Because he's with you all the way, leading you through it. You know, the the author of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10, He writes this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, see, Christianity offers confidence. You're not just scared and miserable that life is hard. No, these are people whose lives are hard and difficult. The world forgets them and overlooks them and persecutes them, but they have confidence, the Bible tells us. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus um, By the new and living way that he has opened up for us, let us hold fast. Let us be filled with hope because he, he who promised us is faithful. You see the good news, the gospel of Christianity is that the kingdom of heaven receives only but anyone whose passport is stamped with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why those who walk the narrow way, the narrow gate leading to the hard way, that's why we can have confidence, because Jesus is guarding the gate. And Jesus is leading us along the way. You know, think about when you've ever been in a strange city. Think of a big city. You've never been there before, right? You, you don't know where to eat. You don't know how to navigate yourself through public transportation, Um, maybe you're in a foreign city or a foreign country, Uh, you don't speak the language. You don't know the customs. You're not sure what food is safe and what food is edible, at least to your own palate. Think of going outdoors and think of a new unfamiliar wilderness trail. Doesn't it always help to have a guide? Doesn't it make the language, the food, the customs, the transportation... The ravines, uh, the dangerous places, doesn't it make this all more manageable, right? Look, and isn't it true that even when you have a guide in a foreign city or in a strange wilderness, it it doesn't make it any less strange, right? The Bible says we're still strangers. Although Jesus and his presence is with us in this world, the Bible still calls us strangers. The Bible calls us exiles. The Bible calls us aliens, even with his presence, we are still strangers in this world, friends. That's why That's why the way is hard and the gate is narrow. But guess what? Even in a strange place, you're not lost. Even though life is hard and the road is hard and the gate is narrow, Jesus says you will never be lost because I will be with you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his famous book called discipleship. It's also called the cost of discipleship. Basically says at this point in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, how could the way of the cross ever be easy? If you are following Jesus or if you are considering to become a Christian, you have to ask yourself this question. How could the way of the cross, the way of following after Jesus Christ ever be considered easy in this life? And he's right. If Jesus himself walked a road that was narrow and hard and perilous and sad. That ultimately led him to the cross. What else would you expect, Christian? and following him in this life. If his way in this world was hard, he promises that this—that our way following him in this world is hard. And yet he says in the Gospel of John, when he says to his disciples, in this world you, help, you will have trouble, he follows that up with a great statement. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In Christianity, you are following a God who knows your experience because he's entered in it and suffered everything you've suffered and was tested in every way that you were tested, but never sinned, the book of Hebrews tells us. He is a guide that you can trust through this difficult life. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he says, My yoke is easy, right? Life is not easy. Following Jesus is not easy. The road is not easy. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's why he could say, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew chapter 11. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And that is why, my friend, that even as hard as it is to be a Christian in this world... You can have joy. You can have peace, thankfully, because we are not alone in the journey. We have our Lord leading us. And Christian, this is why it's so important to be plugged into a local church. We have our brothers and sisters in Christ walking alongside of us, at times carrying our burdens for us. Friends, in a world of many paths, Jesus is the only way. So is your walk, is your Christian walk easy? Is your Christian walk, is your Christianity impersonal? Is it devoid of a closeness to your creator? If it is, check again. Read about Jesus again. Discover him again in the Gospels. Read the Gospel of Mark. Read the book of Romans. If your Christianity is easy, my friend, I'm not sure if it's Jesus you're following. I invite you to discover him again, or maybe for the first time. Start pursuing him. Hunger and thirst after him. All roads in this world lead to destruction, except for the one road that leads you to him. And you won't regret it because on that road and at the end of that road is eternal life. Reconciliation with your creator. Healing. Forgiveness. Hope. Joy. Let's pray. Our Father, we confess that Jesus intimidates us. He irritates us. He Uh, sometimes confuses us because he comes in and he questions us and and asks us to analyze the systems and the assumptions and the values and goals of our lives. Father, we don't want to get to the end of this life and discover too late that that the road we were traveling was the wrong one, That, that the gate we entered through was the wrong gate. Father, we confess that we cannot see clearly and we need your help. Lord, lead us. Lead us to the the, the road that brings us to you, the road that brings us to life and healing and reconciliation. Father, we want to be remade. We want to see this world remade someday when Jesus returns. Help us to trust in him alone. Help us to forsake any way that does not lead us to him. Help us to forsake any door, any gate, any entry point into anything uh, that he is not leading us through. Father, help my friends who are listening to pursue Jesus, to seek after him, to follow him. We know that this life is hard, but thank you for his promise that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we seek him alone. Amen.